I am indebted to my coaches and the sports teams that I've gotten to play on over the years. Totally. It set me up for lots of great connections in my neighborhood. You know, that lifestyle of, of playfulness and sport. Um, in the neighborhood, we're playing pickleball and basketball and flag football and kickball and ultimate frisbee. It's really become a great way to connect with people. Um, but with team sports, some of you may know this, uh, comes a lot of disappointment as well. Uh, maybe you know what I'm talking about. You know, you're hoping to be picked up. You know, come on, come join our team from the sidelines. You know, for a game in the park or at school, the playground, right? Dodgeball. Oh my goodness, how come I didn't get picked, right? You know, we're 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 looking for. Maybe it's just me. You know, like hold up, uh, Aaron's here, uh, Jennifer's here. Uh, stop the game. Um, we got to get her into the game. We got to get him into the game. Like, whoa, let let him in. This is great. Coach, put me in. <laughs> I had that experience. I had I had uh, stopped playing football in high school uh, after my freshman year, but still I was on the, on the, in the bleachers in sophomore year and junior year and senior year, going, "Coach, put me in." That's what I'm thinking. But uh, you stepped out of the process, man. You're not in there. This this program is not going forward on your shoulders, sir. You stepped out as a freshman, right? Uh, but coach, put me in, put me in. And nope, you know, even on a team, maybe you're riding the pine, as we said in basketball. Uh, getting slivers when other people are getting rebounds. Uh, you're hoping to be called on in the huddle, you know. Okay, who are we going to send in here? Uh, not you, not you. Not <laughs> we experience that, don't we? Overlooked, overlooked. Well, maybe it's not sports uh, for you. Uh, but like me, so often you feel on the outside of some groups you really want into. Maybe it's at work or at school. Uh, could be places where you play, but um, maybe in, in those close community circles, you're like, I want to get in. You know, lots of times I'll drive by a party that I wasn't invited to and I'll feel the pain. I'm like, why wasn't I invited to that party? It feels like a failure. Right. Uh, and when the invitations dry up, that failure we experience all the more. Uh, and and that, that happened to someone in the Bible, too. And I, I want us to identify with this person. Uh, this guy wasn't hitting his shots on the court. Uh, he was placed on the bench. In fact, he didn't even get to, to ride the bus anymore. Uh, he had fumbled too much, dropped too many passes. Uh, one of the coaches actually kicked him off the team. And then the other coach put up a fight. They argued over this guy, but it wasn't, it wasn't enough. These were, these were Paul and Barnabas who were the, the coaches, as I'm putting it in this analogy. After being agents of unity in the church and bringing the Jewish background believers and the Gentile background believers into the family uh, with an excitement over this shared focus now on Gentile inclusion into the the family of God, which is now circumcision neutral, doesn't matter. So the circumcision neutral family of God, after all of that, we have this sharp disagreement over a person. His name's John Mark, who's being described as a, as a deserter. He left us. He's a, the word is apostate. He, he took off. Uh, Jennings, Willie James Jennings says, Paul and Barnabas now know the cost of discipleship and they know the perils of following the Spirit. Their lives have been and will continue to be on the line. And they need those who will share in the risk of ministry 
with them, right? Who do you put in for that final game-winning, hopeful game-winning shot? You, you, you pull that guy in. He's the guy. She's the one that's going to take this team over the top. She knows what it takes. He knows what it takes. Put them in. And so, over John Mark, we see them becoming red-faced, agitated, sharp disagreement, words that they would later eat, that they would regret that they said them, but between two missionaries who had risked their lives together for the gospel, Paul and Barnabas. We're going to pick up our passage in Acts chapter 15, 35. We'll dip back into to verse 41. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, that's in Syria, Syrian Antioch, uh, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let's return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaimed the word of the Lord and let's see how they are. So let's just take a look at, at where they've been. Right, so they they sailed from Cyprus and then they went up to um, Pamphylia and then up to Pisidian Antioch and then the cities of Lystra and Derby, and so they they want to go back and 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 encourage the church to see like what we planted these seeds. How have they grown? How can we encourage and establish and strengthen these churches? What a great opportunity. Let's go meet with people, but we're going to go meet people um, in, in the times where, where it was really tough for us, where they tried to kill us. Some people were for us, but then some people were so agitated that they tried to kill us and, and remove us. And so now Barnabas wanted to take with them John, called Mark. He says, yeah, let's bring him. But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia. He had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement, so that they separated from one another. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. <laughs> this is gone. And Peter, or no, Paul rather, chose Silas and departed having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So Barnabas and Mark go the original pathway to Cyprus, where they have home um, connections, family connections. And Paul goes north through where he was from, up through Cilicia, where, where his life began. And this is a quick transition. Luke is laying this in there for us as a, as a very quick interlude, but, but it's very deep. The interlude is going to the second missionary journeys, the, the, the movement into these other churches. But it's loaded with intrigue and insight and inspiration, I guess. But what else would we expect from the book of Acts, right? This, this passage starts out fine, and it's kind of inspiring. Paul, the eager apostle, wants to visit the churches to strengthen them, right? All through the regions where they were before, to confirm them, to make sure they're building on the proper foundations. Barnabas, let's go! And now Barnabas, to profile him, remember, he's been a bridge builder 
the one who's opened doors for Paul to establish his preaching and his training. He's the generous chap that sells his land and gives it to the poor, the church. Jennings says of Barnabas, if the apostles had named him Son of Encouragement, which was his nickname, Barnabas, then Luke's narrative makes him and names him the risk taker because Barnabas seemed to always make heavy wager on people, right? He made that heavy wager on Saul and he's making it on John Mark as well. And now let's profile John Mark, the, the man who split the mission. <laughs> the man that split the mission. Oh, how does he feel about that, right? John Mark is a, is a Hebrew name, John, and the Greek name, Mark, and kind of like Saul, Paul. They have, uh, depending on the context, uh, no, actually, you can, you can just call me you know, Mark or John. And we don't know why he left. He deserted. He didn't go with them into the work. We don't know why, uh, but we see it in Acts chapter 13, verse 13 through 25 is this passage. We see that Paul is taking a step forward in the missionary community, and Barnabas is taking a step back. You know, Barnabas had been the bridge builder, and now um, now we've got Paul, and so off we go with Paul. And so we see that, that he's taking a step forward, Barnabas is taking a step back, and John Mark steps away at Pamphylia. And yeah, the, the going got rough for John Mark as an assistant to these missionaries. Maybe he was uninterested in the 120-mile mountainous trek with 3,800 feet elevation gain facing robbery along the way. Possibly he fell out with Paul. Maybe he was resentful at the way Paul was stepping forward and Barnabas was stepping back. And this is my cousin, right? There's a family connection here with Barnabas. But in Acts 15.38 says, Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. When the going gets tough, John leaves. He takes off. Why? We're not going to do that. He abandoned the work. He left them behind. He broke their trust. When, when the going got tough, he steps out. And so Paul has a really good point here. Uh, he, in this argument, he's not the kind of partner that Paul wants. And so he chooses Silas. The phrase sharp disagreement translates the Greek paroxysmos, <laughs> try that, paroxysmos, where we get the word paroxysm in English. Uh, it's a great outburst of violent emotion being stirred up and spurred on. But I don't want to take the English to try to translate the Greek since it's coming the other direction, right? In fact, if we go even deeper into the Hebrew scriptures, in the Greek version of the Old Testament, paroxysmos is used to describe the fury and irritation of Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God, over his people's betrayal. Fury, irritation. Luke mentions this paroxysm in passing, in this kind of quick transition, but it must have been a really terrible event for the people to be part of. Maybe you've been a part of these things. Terribly awkward for, for Mark and for anyone watching. The two apostles getting heated, using words that they, they would later regret, separating after going through so much together. This paroxysm would lead to greater good, because now the mission is split and going to two different directions, but the church must have just shuddered and shook seeing these two great men fight. Their, their heads 
as a church must have been with Paul, but their hearts were with Barnabas. This was embarrassing. Very embarrassing. And if, if we fast forward, we can hear echoes in Paul's teaching to the letters about anger not producing what God desires and the kind of quarreling that has no place in the kingdom of God. And I wonder if this was in his mind when he was writing those things. You know, in the Bible, depending on context, this stirring up of emotion, this paroxysm, can be a, a good thing, actually. An, an emotional reaction, a, a provocation, uh, provoked Paul to preach against the idols in Athens. It's the same the same word. So one point we could take away is that it's not evil to be agitated, but much evil comes from agitation. It's not evil to be agitated, but much evil does come out of agitation. In fact, the preacher in Hebrews wants us to stir up, <laughs> to peroxize, <laughs> to, to go after and spur one another on to love and good works. And I'll address that in a minute. So Paul chooses Silas to go to the new churches and, and Barnabas and Mark go to Cyprus where they have their connections. And so we see Silas, this new person. Uh, the profile of him would be the, the useful kingdom partner. He got picked. We see that Silas was a leader in the early church. And in the early church, remember, leadership in the kingdom is reserved for those who serve like the king. So it's, have we gotten it backwards a little bit? The leader in the church um, is, is the one who, who serves. Silas, or another name is Silvanus. Silas and Silvanus, the same, <laughs> same person, was one who spoke with conviction the word of God to encourage the church and who it says in the previous passage to, to this, who had risked his life for the name of the Lord Jesus, the Messiah. He had risked his life for that. Just as Jesus had committed his life to the reverence and reputation of the Father. Remember, hallowed be thy name. And use my life to do it. Hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Silas risked his life for the reputation of the king, Jesus the Lord. Now track with me here. He did not bear the name of Jesus in vain. Bore the name of Jesus in vain. But bore the name at considerable risk to himself. Think about that. He bears the name. He's a follower of Jesus. His, his name is all about raising the reputation of King Jesus the Lord. He's risked his life for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You've heard it said, you shall not, or you probably heard it this way, thou shall not take the Lord's name in vain. Right? Well, this is actually what it means. Take the Lord's name means to carry, to, to be a people stamped by God's name, to bear the name. Don't lift up, don't have it placed upon you. Bear the name in vain. You Actually, so what would be the opposite of that? Uh, uh, bear it with reverence and with purpose. Do you bear the name Jesus with purpose? Risk your life. So here's a pesky pastor question, a PPQ. Have you risked your life 
for the reputation of the Lord Jesus. Well, say, I, I, Pastor Aaron, I, I don't think I've ever had the opportunity. I wonder, is that true? Have you risked your reputation for the reputation of the Lord Jesus? Oh, well, when you put it that way, there was that once, I remember. It cost me socially, but I used the name of Jesus. So think about what, another PPQ, what would that look like in your context to bear the name on purpose? Wow. I want to sit with that. Do you want to sit with that question? I bet you do. Well, and so at the risk of being too pesky, there's one more character in this story that I would like to profile, and guess who it is? Um, it's you. <laughs> it's you. As much as you or I would like to identify with Paul, he's got good reasons. Barnabas, he's got a great heart in this scene. Or maybe Silas, oh, coach, put me in, choose me. You want to identify with that person? Yeah. Um, he got chosen over other prophets in, in Jerusalem. And, you know, honestly, we're more likely to be the one being argued over, aren't we? You and I have often been measured, weighed, and found wanting. No? Yeah? Hands raised? We've let our family down. Uh, we've failed our assignment. We've lacked courage. Even let the church down. Maybe you've actually heard people arguing over you. No, 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 his character, his reputation is good. It's good, it's good. No, he's failed, he's done this. Maybe you've heard people arguing over, over you. Maybe it was at a church meeting. Whew. Some say, she's not worth the effort. And others say, he's, he's worth another try. So even if, if you or I haven't outright failed our family, they said, no, 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 you're not a failure, you know. And the church has said, no, 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 you're trying, it's good, you're, you're moving forward. We all know that there are those times where we have stayed put when the Spirit said for us to go. Hey, we're going up, we're going to do this thing. And you said, no. With all the fear, with all the intrepidation, I, I will not, I cannot, I will, it's not going to happen. And we've said no to the Holy Spirit. Now, I've said over and over, I'm committed to training you to learn how to get into a process where you start to say yes to the Holy Spirit. We're training disciple makers who are saying yes to the Holy Spirit. There's an open door for this. But I think sometimes it's also just a fear thing, isn't it? It's just a fear thing. Let me say this. There is an argument over you right now. Did, did you know that? I, I will bet money that you've actually overheard the argument. Are your ears burning right now? Listen to me. The enemy of your soul wants you condemned before the Father. But Jesus wants you rescued. There's an argument going on right now. The enemy of your soul is like, you know what? She's not worth it. He's done. He's failed too many times. It's over. Um, we're going to just set them on a different track. Uh, just let them coast. There's no, there's no life left in them. But, but while the enemy wants you condemned, Jesus wants you rescued. He, he's, 
interceding for you. He's saying, no, this one is mine. This child is mine. Satan wants you defined by your failure. Yep, that's just who she is. You didn't fail. Satan says you are a fail. It wasn't a failure that happened to you. You are that failure, says the enemy, says Satan. Jesus says, you're not defined by your failure. You're defined by my obedience. <laughs> his, his obedience, his faithfulness is what saves you. The devil says, and some of you are listening right now, and you know this is the argument. You've overheard this in your head, and I'm aching for you right now. The devil says, you're always going to be like this. This is just the way it is. And Jesus says, you are a new creation. You're a new creation. The devil says, and, and all the devils say, you're a coward. And Jesus says, I offer you my courage. The enemy wants to scatter you away from the church, away from those who love you, away from those who could support you, who could bring encouragement to you. He wants to scatter you. And Jesus wants to gather you. Right now, in this moment, Jesus wants to gather you together. Satan shows you the gap between you and God. But Jesus stands in the gap. Let me read, let me prove it to you. Hebrews chapter 7, 24 through 27. Just beautiful passage of uh, an, an intricate and, and complex, but, but, but a passage where Jesus comes out on top as the high priest. A high priest that, that goes all the way backward and all the way forward. He is, he's, Jesus holds his priesthood permanently, it says, because he continues forever. He's a priest standing in the gap between humans and, and God. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. Are you doing that right now? Drawing near to God through him. He is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. Since he always lives to make intercession for them. Hear that. He, Jesus, lives, always lives to make intercession for you. The reason I'm saved, the reason you're saved, is because Jesus is saving you right now. Standing in the gap, arguing his, your, the case that his obedience covers your sinfulness, that your failure doesn't define you, that his obedience defines you. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest. Oh, fitting. Holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and, and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. So I have a, another pesky pastor question for you. Is Jesus winning the argument over you? Are you standing up? Are you stepping up? Are you stepping into the mission and Bearing the name with authority, or is, is he interceding to no account for you because you're listening to the lies of the enemy? That's a pesky question. Hmm. Jesus, win the argument over us. 
that we can even hear now. Those, those, those words, those defining words, those identification words, which you speak now, the true words into the life of true believers who have, have your name written on them, who can step in with purpose and life. Amen. Of all the pretend FBI agents in all of film history, let me say that again. We've got a transition here. Of all of the pretend FBI agents in all of film history, my favorite, I'll just go out on the limb, is Special Agent Burt Macklin. He has no badge, no official ID, but somewhere, probably at a costume store, he picked up a windbreaker with FBI on it. And he steps in, fictitiously, in... A TV show, but boy, the fire in his eyes—he <laughs> steps in. And I, I want to ask you: you have not the FBI on your shoulder. You have the name of Jesus. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him, and you bear his name. Are you stepping into the mission and bearing the name with authority? Or are you pretending? You're just posing. You're just doing some religious things. You're eating from the spiritual buffet. But you have no authority because you don't recognize an authority. So you're posing. Or are you shrinking back in fear? I, I, just, I, <laughs> I don't belong here. I actually have no idea who I really am. Or really who he is. I, I'm, I'm just here pretending. Well, it's a good thing that God takes the lonely and puts them in families. He takes the posers and gives them an identity. God places those he rescues into the community called by his name to bear the name together. So how do we lean in? How do we press in? How do we press on? Well, don't try this alone, for starters. Another pesky question are you a posing Christian? Posing as a Christian. Or are you a practicing Christian? A posing Christian or a practicing Christian? We'll process this in, in the weeks and months to come, how to be a practicing Christian. But I want you to think about the, the, the multitude of things we can do today to encourage one another. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25 says this, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. His obedience, his faithfulness. And let us consider how we can Paroxysm, paroxysm, stir up one another to love and good works. Ooh, that's, so we're going to use that to like fire each other up. Yeah. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. Some have this habit over the last two years. <laughs> Let's just not meet together. My spiritual journey is more like a buffet. I connect with God more in a kayak than I do in the church. Well, bring your kayak to church. 
Okay, let's let's get let's get real. Um, be here, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day. The day, <laughs> the the closing act, as you see the day drawing near. In there is, is another use of that word that, that was used of the argument, the red-faced, overheated argument with Saul and Barnabas, the paroxysm. That agitation, that irritation can go wrong or it can go very right. And if you're led by the Spirit, it can go very, very right. Because there is an irritation that leads to action. An irritation that leads to action. I faced a, a, a familiar question on, on a sunrise hike to Mount Si last, last Saturday. It wasn't the question of uh, why I would hike in the cold, dark, rainy night before sunrise. It actually happened when I was trying to get down the mountain in the rain <laughs> on my hiking poles. Ouch, ouch, ouch. Irritation in my knees. I had a rock in my boot. And how long can you hike with a rock in your boot? Well, there's no real great prize for making it a long time, is there? That irritation led me to action. ASAP, as soon as possible, right? We gotta get, oh, we gotta, oh, we gotta move. We gotta do, we gotta shake. We gotta, we gotta keep moving and pressing forward. We stir one another up and spur one another on to love and good works. So how do we do that? Well, let's physically get together <laughs> in person, face to face, and encourage one another because the time is short. The day is coming. I, I love the word encourage. You know, in the Greek, it means to come alongside with a word, to urge, to beg, to encourage. But, but to lend courage, to strengthen, motivate, model, inspire, teach, and train. If you don't have courage, oh, you can borrow some of mine. We'll do that in community together. Each of you are a gift to the church. Many gifts, talents, perspectives, everything is going to be needed as we press in and through into what God's calling us to be as a church. And that's exactly what Paul and Silas did as they visited the churches on the second missionary journey. There's more intrigue and insight and inspiration as we go on this journey with them from town to town, city to city. But let me encourage you with this. After the paroxysm and the defeat and the failure and the pain and the embarrassment, two missionary journeys were birthed, causing more churches to be encouraged and strengthened. Also know this. In other parts of the New Testament, we hear of a sweet restoration of Paul and Barnabas and Paul and John Mark. <laughs> it's really cool. In fact, the African church celebrates John Mark because he's credited with starting the church in Alexandria, Egypt, a major area of learning and influence. John Mark is actually later associated with a lion. So you see John Mark and you see the lion. I'm like, what is that about? It's, it's partly because of how he described uh, John the Baptist roaring in the wilderness, you know, and there's this, he's like the lion in the wilderness, but also because there was a story once told of him by the bishop of the Church of Alexandria. Um, this was later, and it's potentially legend, um, but it's interesting. This, this is the heritage of, of John Mark. He said, once a lion and a lioness appeared to John Mark and his father, Aristotelus, while they were traveling in Jordan, the father was very scared and begged his son to escape. 
and the, the father was just awaiting his own fate. John Mark assured his father that Jesus Christ would save them, and he began to pray. The two beasts fell dead, and as a result of this miracle, the father finally believed in Christ. <laughs> it seems John Mark, if this story is, is at all true, built out of this legend, it seems John Mark, the church planter now, was no longer the man to shrink back in fear. Failure can paralyze but forgiveness restores. Ask any of the disciples. I expect to have a banquet asking these questions. John Mark let Jesus win the argument over Satan and believed the Messiah. He was no poser in a windbreaker. <laughs> he knew who he was and whose he was. He came in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He died martyred in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was chosen by Jesus to partner with him to bring the message of hope and restoration and reconciliation to the people. Are, are you on the team? Coach, put me in. Put me in. By the grace of Jesus, we'll experience that partnership with the Father to see a world restored.